You know what really bums me out? That there is a ton of customization available for brides and bridesmaids for their wedding attire. But when it comes to us guys, it seems like we've got way less options. That's why we love the Naughty Tie Company. Not naughty as in naughty, but naughty as in, you know, tying the knot. Yeah. Anyway, the Naughty Tie Company has ties, bow ties, and pocket squares that are totally customizable. You can match colors or patterns to things like bridesmaids dresses, flowers, your table linens, or really whatever you'd like. And everything is printed and sewn right in Denver, Colorado, which is nowhere near us here in Philly, but that's not the point. So if you go to NaughtyTie.com slash ring, they are going to hook you up with free design service from one of their amazing designers. That's easily like $20 you're going to save just for being a Put a Ring on a Podcast listener. That's K-N-O-T-T-Y-T-I-E dot com slash R-I-N-G. Welcome to the Put a Ring on a Podcast, a wedding podcast for anyone who has no clue what they're doing. I'm Daniel Moyer, wedding photographer and laser tag dominator. And I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner and lover of all things yellow. Let's do this. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the end of episode <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to season three, the final episode of season three, episode 36. This is going to be a good one. The Q&A episode. Yeah, I feel like we should have like, it's the final countdown. Wow, like a crazy good guitar solo. Yes, yes, we do need that. Yes, it is. It is our final episode, but honestly, an episode I've been looking forward to all season. Yeah, we had a super awesome Q&A episode at the end of the first season and we're happy to be back with a whole bunch of really great questions to be answering this time. Yeah, exactly. So before we jump into this week's episode, a few like housekeeping and things that we want to talk about. First and most importantly, Dan and I have to wish our moms a very happy birthday. Happy birthday, moms. Yeah. So Dan and I, fun fact, Dan and I's moms were both born on the same day, same year. And that birthday happened just this past weekend. So we love you guys. Yay. And, if they and ever hear birthday. this. I, yeah. feel like, I feel like one day they're going to figure out podcasts and they're going to be really excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is the end of the season for us, season three. And mm-hmm. with all of the craziness, so right now when we're recording this, this is the end of September. Um, and we're going to be taking a couple of months off. Uh, between season three and season four, just because of Thanksgiving, because of Christmas and all those things that happen at the end of the year and and all the family time that usually happens during that. Um, So we're going to be coming back January 9th of 2018. So after this, the next time we will talk to you guys is January 9th, 2018. Keep it together, Dan. (laughs) Um, You know, before we get into this Q&A episode, I think our last little item on the house cleaning list is... House cleaning? Housekeeping. It's a housekeeping. It's a house cleaning list. list. Our last thing on the housekeeping list... That sounds better. um, Thank you. ...is really thanking everybody again. Um, I, I feel like we do that like a million times a season, but you guys, like we just... You'll never understand how much this means to us to just have like started something that we thought like it'd be really kind of cool to 
you know, say things that are on our mind and help people out there. That's kind of the opposite of, of what maybe giant wedding corporations are doing. Um, and we just really wanted to say thank you again for the love and support that, um, you guys have all been showing us over the last three seasons. Yeah. Um, I am recently on this kick where I have been coming from this mindset of voting with my dollars. So as I've sort of grown up in in my life and, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different things that we buy throughout our lives and purchase and, and support. And I really feel as though what you put your money towards is what you're actively saying, Hey, I like what you're doing. I support you. Um, I I want you to continue doing what you're doing and get better and grow. And uh, Dan and I have talked a lot about this and we are really, really happy to, um, sort of unofficially announce. Uh, We're going to be talking about it probably more in season four, but we are going to be opening up a Patreon page so that our wonderful listeners like you can vote with your dollars and show us your love and support and help us continue to grow. Yeah, we we are in the thick of this. Like we're not just people who are saying, giving their opinion about wedding advice. Like this, this is real world actionable advice. Danielle and I have weddings every weekend. Um, and we see real world situations that we are then sharing with you about how to navigate wedding planning and how to make the most out of this day. That's really one of a kind, you know, we want to continue being able to bring you helpful, actionable topics, but we really do need your support. Right. So for these reasons, like I said, we set up a Patreon account. And for those of you unfamiliar with Patreon, it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So like patron, but with an E. Um, Eon. Anyway, it's 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 really a great site to support artists, creators, and obviously podcasters. So anybody creating <laughs> content and putting it out into the world, it's a very great and easy way to sort of show support to that thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you can go to patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash P-A-R-O-I. If you could come alongside us and support us financially, we would be so in love with you. <laughs> well, yeah, and we've like we've set up little goodies in there. So head over there, check it out. Um, we're really excited for this new adventure. We're excited to yeah. see where it goes. And um, we love you all. I mean, some we love a little bit more, some we love a little bit less, but that's just how it goes. That's so mean. (laughs) All right. Enough of that. Let's hop into this excellent episode on questions that we've received from the awesome listeners out there. Some of these questions are long and amazing, so sit tight and buckle up. Sorry. Buckle up. We have that was like movie phone voice man. <laughs> I know. We have um yeah, we we pulled out I think it's ten questions that we've received yep. through email, text well not text message, email, Facebook, um, and you know, just like contacting us through right through our website. So we these aren't necessarily like the best questions we receive. This is just more like we thought these questions really spoke to probably a lot of people listening and obviously would help the person specifically asking um the question Universal obviously appeal. answer. Yeah, that's yeah. what I want to say. I yeah. yes. Okay. So Word. shall we jump in? Words. Yeah. Ladies first. All right, Dan, I will read this first question. This question came from Shannon on Facebook. So she says, My fiance and I are getting married in about a year. 
and we are planning on skipping the traditional sit-down dinner in favor of heavier appetizers and she has in bunny ears action stations like a mashed potato bar and that sort of thing. Do you have any advice for how we could schedule the flow of our cocktail slash dinner time or have experience with something similar? I'm a little nervous that toast might get lost in the course of the evening and that our guests might find it confusing as well. Hmm. Dan, have you ever done a wedding um, where it wasn't a sit-down dinner? I have, yeah. I've done uh, a couple where it was just like heavy hors d'oeuvres and the food that was kind of out all night, um, past appetizers, things like that. Okay. So my advice, um, and this is coming from having planned a few of these shindigs like this, is Mm -hmm. first and foremost, I would implore you to still make sure you still have seats for everyone. I know you say you're not doing a sit-down dinner, but what happens is, is if if you're not planning on doing seats for everyone, people end up just standing. There's a little bit of like people fighting for seats. It gets a little crazy and the guest experience, you know, your meter starts to go down a little bit. So what I'm going to say is you can, you can still have seats for everyone. If you don't want to do a sign seating where you're telling guests which table to sit at, I would say budget 10 to 20% more seats than guests that you actually have coming. And, and really, if you're not doing seats for everyone, you just really need to make sure you at least have seats for the older generations attending, anybody with families, kids, things like that. For the flow of things, make sure that your caterer is building on like the substance of the food that's coming out. So the heavier food comes out later. You know, you wouldn't want to end the night on like chips and salsa, but there there has to be a progression of the food that comes out. It, it should start with the lighter items, like I said, and then the heavier items as the night goes on. Um, And also don't put everything out at once. Let it build. Exactly. And logistically, really, this type of service can be tricky um, and not always well received by all of your guests. So try to keep your your guest experience in mind when when planning. I know I'm a person. I love cocktail hour food. I love picky food. But still keep in mind their overall experience. To me, like the biggest thing logistically is is honestly making sure everyone still has a seat. Yep. Okay. Question two from Michelle via email. I don't want to have a wedding party at all, but my fiance does. I just don't find it necessary. And besides, I can only think of one person, my sister, that I would even consider standing up there next to me. Thoughts? Tips? Um, dear Michelle. Dear Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Michelle, the, the point of a wedding party is, is to have um, – you know, to sort of select, handpick these people that you want sort of surrounding you on – on your wedding day and I supporting you. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I think if you're saying um, that you don't want to have a wedding party, but your fiance does, maybe there needs to be a further deeper communication about why you don't want to have a wedding party and why your fiance does, because just because someone is or isn't in your quote unquote wedding party, it doesn't mean that they can't still get ready with you. So if your fiance just Mm -hmm. wants like a group of people getting ready with them that morning, and that's why they want a wedding party, but you don't want a wedding party, then you don't have to have a wedding party, but they could still have, like, there can still be the compromise that, like, yeah, you can have anybody you want getting ready with you that day. You know what? And it's totally fine if to have just one person. If you have just that one person who's really important to you, that's fine. I mean, for photos, it is nice to have, like, even sides, but I photographed plenty of weddings where there's, you know, one on one side and four on the other side. So do whatever feels right for you and go with it. It'll be good. Exactly. But it. it's totally not necessary. We're totally yeah. okay to have one. Um, I think, like I or said though, initially, yeah, I think you want to get to the root of of what a wedding party means to each of you and then go from there. All right. 
Next question from Karina. So Karina says, my fiance and I are getting ready to send out save the dates and it got us thinking about the other paper materials we'll have to be ordering in the future. Um, Side note, good job, which brought up a couple of questions. So she asks, question one, should RSVPs be done by snail mail or all electronically via our wedding website? And question two, who should get thank you notes? I thought we would be sending out thank yous to everyone who attended, but my fiance thinks it's only sent out to those who sent or gave a wedding gift. Thank you both for taking the time to do these podcasts. They are so, so helpful. Much love and happiness, Karina. A, you're super sweet. So she basically <laughs> asked two questions, Dan. RSVPs, can, should they be done all snail mail or all electronically? Um, and thank yous. So let's talk about the RSVPs first. Okay. In our opinion... Um, RCPs can be done electronically, um, but you should give them the less tech savvy people a better way to respond or a more traditional way to respond, which would be snail mail. Yes. Right. In most cases, I usually recommend printing like a smaller amount of RSVP cards if you're planning on managing your RSVPs through your wedding website and really only including those RSVP cards with the invitations to the guests who you know would really prefer to respond uh, via like mailing back that RSVP card. Um, but there are a couple of apps for those tech savvy people that you can use to track RSVPs. One um, for those tech savvy people is called Appy Couple. That's A P P Y Couple. Appy Couple. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a couple other ones out there, but that's the one that Danielle basically recommends. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Um, and, and that's like if if your website doesn't have something built in, I think that's a good yeah. one. Um, so that's that. Now for the thank you notes. So she says, mm-hmm. just to recap, um, who gets thank you notes? Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody. <laughs> All the people. The end. Yeah. Anybody who attended and or gave a gift. So if someone attended and still didn't give you a gift, well, I think that's poo, but I think they should still get a thank you note. Right, Dan? Agreed. Yes, absolutely. If a guest isn't able to attend your wedding, but they still send a gift, they should also receive a thank you note. Yes. Okay. Now moving on. Yes. If they do something nice for you, give them a card. If they take photos of your wedding, send a thank you. Yes. Nailed it. Okay. Uh, Question number four from Gina via email. I think this is a good one. I feel like I've been seeing this more more often lately. Um, And that is, Gina asks... Have you seen any ceremonies or have creative ideas with methods of incorporating two types of religions into the ceremony while not offending one side, as well as keeping religion sort of an undertone of the ceremony? I was thinking of maybe having a moment of prayer for everyone who can pray the way that they would like to pray. Maybe also have some sort of blessing read that may not necessarily be from one religion or the other. Not sure what we'd want to do, but thought it would be good to reach out and ask the experts. Love you guys, Gina. Huh. Love Super you too, sweet. Gina. Yes. Um, okay. The first thing I would say is explaining what you're doing in your ceremony. If so, if you've got traditions from two different sides and you, you kind of say like, okay, we like this tradition and we like this tradition, you put them into your ceremony. If you can explain where that tradition or where that part of your ceremony comes from, maybe in your program, you'll find just by explaining it that more people will pay attention and more people will be interested in it. 
um, and it may have a little more significance and they'll actually participate rather than if they just um, if there was no explanation of it and they didn't know what the significance was. Right. 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 Exactly. I think there's so many, so many traditions that can that are are rooted in in the world of weddings that um, so many of them we do without really knowing why we're doing them. So if there's things that you want to incorporate, um, I, I think that's a really lovely idea. And it doesn't have to be done necessarily in a way where you're sort of uh, shoving it down anyone's throats. Um, mm-hmm. But it can be done in a way that's still meaningful to you and your partner. Um, but like Dan said, explaining it to everyone, sort of putting the walls down and inviting people in to experience it at whatever yeah. com- whatever level they feel comfortable is yep. is absolutely your best approach. I think having um, a moment of prayer is a really nice thought. I like yep. I like what you're saying about having some sort of blessing that may not necessarily be from one religion or the other. I think there's a way that you can you can sort of spread it across the board to make everyone feel welcome, achieve the desired result, and keep keep people happy and and comfortable and enjoying the whole experience. Yeah, and I really think if you just look closely at both of your religions. And if you want to choose a few of the different parts of the the ceremony from I, either of your cultures and just mishmash them together, if there are a few things that you like look at and research the meaning of and you say, you know, I really like that. And you can add those two things in that just I, maybe it's celebrating the best of both, not as like this one's better than the other or like, you know, I need to do this because I'm the bride or I need to do this because, you know, my family is paying more money or whatever that is. Allow yourselves to pick out what works best for the two of you, what speaks to you best, and then choose to add those to your ceremony um, for that reason, because they do have a meaning to you, if that makes sense. And if you're looking for a way to sort of uh, put it in a box with a label, call it a fusion. So it's a Jewish-Irish fusion wedding, (laughs) you know, or whatever it is, (laughs) French-Japanese-Indian wedding, fusion wedding. Um, That's a great way to sort of like wrap it up and put it in a bow if you're trying to explain it to like people in a very concise manner. So, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, and it's it's really not all that uncommon anymore either. We have um as our world view grows, uh mm-hmm. many more cultures and traditions are coming together in really unique and unexpected ways, so it's it's nice. Um and I think it's great to still honor those things that mean something important to each person. Okay. All right. Question 5. This question comes from Mary Rose which I love Mary Rose's name. So she asks, I'm having my wedding at a church and I'm looking for a venue for the reception. I'm not satisfied with the venues I can find in this city. So I thought about looking at surrounding towns for other options. How far is too far to go for a reception? So for example, is a half hour drive from ceremony to reception too far? What's the upper limit? Hmm. Uh, I think this is a pretty simple one. A half hour is, isn't that bad. Half hour is fine. But I'd say the most I've seen is an hour and you, shouldn't go higher than that. I mean, an hour is pushing it and it's pretty rough to begin with. Yeah, I just did a wedding a few weeks ago and it was a, an hour in between and I was really expecting it to be worse than it was and it wasn't mm-hmm. too bad. We planned the day out in a way that um, it it felt natural for the guests. Um, yep. It wasn't ideal in terms of uh, hotel accommodations and getting ready, but just keep that in mind that travel will eat up some time of your day and you want to leave enough time for guests to travel between you know, events, not a weird yep. amount of time, but you want to leave time for photos. These are just all things to take into consideration, but just travel by nature eats up more time. But a half hour yeah. to me definitely is not too far. To me, like 20, gotcha. 30 minutes is sort of like pretty normal. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Next question. All right, question, question six from Elise. 
My fiance and I are starting to plan our wedding, and while we're excited to plan a really fun reception for our guests, we're really stuck on how to structure our ceremony. Our problem is that I find wedding ceremonies to be super corny. I'm ashamed to admit this. I must be dead inside. (laughs) (laughs) I must be dead inside. Uh, My fiance is an amazing man, and I'm so excited to spend the rest of my life with him. But the thought of professing my love to him in front of a seated crowd of all of our friends and family makes my skin crawl. However, I know the point of the whole wedding. Help! Do you have any non-cheesy ceremony ideas? Do unconventional ceremonies make everybody uncomfortable? Any suggestions would be appreciated very much. Thanks, Elise. P.S., she says, I've attended a handful of weddings this year, and I've realized that the more personalized the ceremonies are, the more cheesy I find them. I realize this might make my question impossible to answer, so I just thought you might have some helpful answers. Whew. There's a lot in that one. Okay, so Elise, um, A, you are not dead inside. I think a lot of this probably goes back to a certain amount of feeling um, uncomfortable in that spotlight moment. Um, Mm -hmm. We talked about that a little bit in our last episode where we talked about wedding planning stress. Um, So go back one episode and maybe give that a listen. That might help uh, work through a few things. But I I sort of... um, I sort of would implore you to reframe it, reframe the idea, because I think right now you're very much set on the thought that like, oh, this is what other people have done. And it's so cheesy. And oh, my God, when I was a guest, like I just it just made my skin crawl and all this stuff. So Mm. I guess my thought is. If you've never been a bride before standing up there, you know, professing your love to your partner and doing all this stuff maybe you don't know what it feels like to just really be in those shoes and quite frankly who cares what your guests think when it comes to your ceremony um i think it should i think it should be whatever you and your fiance want it to be without worrying about I mean, I guess so much of what Dan and I talk about is about this guest experience and making sure they're good. But the ceremony, I mean, as long as they're comfortable and, and whatever, but the ceremony is really one of those times where like, it's just about the two of you. And I yeah. think you should sort of get lost in that moment up there. But I don't think you're going to be able to do that if you have this thought swimming in your head, like, oh my God, shoot me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I think that, I think reframing it is a really good way to put it that, um, a wedding day is a romantic occasion, right? Like at the at the heart of it, like it is two people coming together. Um, and if you just think of it from that perspective, that like regardless of the fact that like, you know, it is um, something that, you know, many people come to, there's all these traditions and opinions behind it. Find what means most to you. And even if that's just focusing on your fiance and just saying, you know what? I'm sure that you've told him that you love him. And this is a this is the official, the ultimate I love you, the ultimate commitment. So maybe if you reframe it to that and just say, you know what? Um, it's it's a time when I get to really tell him what I think of him and really make a commitment to this person for the rest of my life. Yeah. However, you yeah, but you're tell not him. telling everybody else. No, you're, you're just no. telling him. That's all you're exactly. doing. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Just focus on that person, your significant other, and just say, you know what, this is who I'm going to be with. And I'm just going to make a commitment to this person and tell them how much I love them. Right. Also, too, I mean, depending on where you're getting married and who's marrying you, um, you don't always have to 
necessarily write a soliloquy on to your partner. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be this big, long thing. You might just say your I do's and exchange rings and that's it. Like you, you can just do like the standard repeat after me vows. Like you don't need to go into this whole, um, you know, this whole, you know, <laughs> haiku about, about why <laughs> you love the person standing in front of you. If that makes you uncomfortable, um, then I would say skip over that part. I think the important thing is making sure you and your fiance are on the same page with it. Um, But again, I think it just comes down to really reframing it and, and trying to get previous experiences as a guest out of your head because you're not a guest at your wedding. Absolutely. Very well put, Daniel. Ooh, boom. All right. I get to read the next one. Oh, it's simple, super short. Okay. Oh, she has two questions. All right. Number seven is actually two questions, a double header from, I think it's Liana. Liana? Yeah. She asks, seating charts, pros and cons of having a seating chart versus not having one, and fake cakes. How to approach a baker? Is the cost worth it? Mm. Dan? You want me to take seating charts or fake cakes? Oh, I definitely want to talk about cake. You take a seating chart all day long. Oh, that's like a role reversal. Um, Why? Okay. I just feel like seating charts is so like plannery and um, analytical, which is where you really strive. But that's okay. I'm going to take seating charts. Okay. So seating charts, they work great. On to cakes. Make sure. <laughs> <laughs> On to cakes. <laughs> um Make sure to do them alphabetically uh, by last name versus table number. That just creates a whole mess of problems. Um, just to make sure, check with your venue, caterer, whatever, that they don't require place cards. Um, some will uh, require them for the entree selections. Um, also, what happens to the seating chart post-wedding? Right. I also yeah. have to add, because I just like adding my own two of cents course. to everything. This is why you should have just taken it. Ugh. Well, I wanted to uh, – well, I should have taken both answers. Anyway, when you do <laughs> the seating chart, um, Liana, is it's it's everything you see picture-wise, it's going to look prettier if you do it by table number, but please don't because you're going to create a major bottleneck of guests trying to find where their name is on this chart. So please do it alphabetically. You can still cheat, though, and make it look like you're doing it by table number. Just group it instead of by table number. Group it all with the last name like A all those names and then like B through D or however your guest list falls, but you can still make it look, give it that same look of grouping without necessarily being uh, tricky for your guest. Anyway, on to cakes. So fake cakes. Uh, fake, and fake. I, th- I think what she means here is um, it's, it's essentially a styrofoam cake that's just been decorated and can be um, it, it's like not eaten, obviously. So thus fake cake. Anyway, can you fake- say fake cake five times fast? Fake cake, fake cake, fake cake. No, fake cakes actually <laughs> aren't much cheaper um, unless you're renting one that's like already complete, um, which is a little bit more rare. But for the most part, like having going to a baker and 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 um, contracting them to to make a custom make a fake cake for you, you're not going to actually save very much money. Most of the investment into a cake is in the design, not necessarily the cake mm-hmm. itself inside. So um, I would say it like if you don't want to have cake um, maybe just opt for a different dessert altogether that you do enjoy if that's sort of the goal or something savory like a late night pizza donuts whatever it is Um, and if you still want to cut a cake figure you can cut any dessert um, or you could just order like a small nine inch cutting cake for just the two of you to cut um, because really you're not going to save 
you're not going to really save anything by going the styrofoam cake route. Okay. Especially if then you just order sheet cake to like serve to the guests. Hmm. Uh, you're still you're not going to save money. Not significantly. Man, I got all the long questions this time. Question number eight from Clarice. My fiance Andre and I will be having a multinational wedding, United States and Mexico. Although most of his family speaks great English, some of them do not, and most of my family only speaks English. Obviously, we are concerned about including everyone and working around the language barrier. Have you ever had to deal with this issue or heard of anyone who has? Also, we will probably be getting married in Mexico, which is going to be a quasi-destination wedding since Andre's family lives in Mexico. However, I have no idea how to find venues and vendors that aren't part of some packaged resort deal. Do you know any resources or companies that might be able to help with this? My future mother-in-law is going to be doing planning to help with this issue to a degree. Okay. So I'll, I, I want to talk about, um, she's essentially asking two questions here. So mm-hmm. first part is we're talking about incorporating two different languages. Yep. Um, earlier this year, I actually did a Russian English wedding and it was awesome. I think I'm part Russian. I know no Russian, but anyway, it was cool. What we did in that case, because half of the guests very much spoke Russian and almost only Russian and you know, the other half of the guests spoke only English and no Russian whatsoever, is we had a translator. So um, the officiant who married the two people, um, they said the first part in English, about a paragraph or so, and then the translator said it exactly the same thing, but in Russian. Um, It's continued on that way um, throughout the entire ceremony itself. I believe when it came to their vows that they, the, each person said it to each other in, um, oh, actually, no. They said it to each other in English, but then the um, the bride was Russian. The groom was not. He actually learned a bit of Russian to be able to say to her um, in Russian so that her Russian family could hear oh. sort of his commitment to her. And it was really good. Like, he was practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. So, oh, so that really I thought sweet. was... That I thought was really sweet. And for toast, some people gave toast in English. Some people gave toast in Russian. But um, that wasn't a huge deal. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's I think that's a great way to do it. For the second part, she was really asking about like how to find venues and vendors that aren't part of some like packaged resort ideal. Um, a big thing here, I think, is going to be a travel agent um, and it, really trusting those package deals unless you have someone specific in mind. I, I think that it's. I think it's probably easier to do a package deal with a resort and the there are many photographers in Mexico though that are very easy to find that are like big name photographers who are really incredible that are not part of some like packaged resort deal. Um, so you can go to a you can search any of the really large wedding uh, photography sites like a good one is fearlessphotographers.com. They've got photographers from all over the world in special areas that are not like associated really I guess with any resort or they may be but they're they're professional photographers first they're not like a fly-by-night or something um, so I would check out fearlessphotographers.com um, also the International Society of Professional Wedding Photographers is another great one um, and junebugweddings.com is another great one as well so check those out um, specifically for photographers in different parts of the world also I should probably add if you're if you're really looking for help and someone to do that work for you and can and seek out uh, outside of those package deals, uh, 
that's where wedding planners come into play. Yep. All right. Our next question is question nine, which comes from Kelly via Facebook. She asks, when are toasts normally given during the reception? Easy peasy. Yes, Dan? Right after the blessing. <laughs> Sorry. So that's a short answer. Easy. Right. I agree. Right after the blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Long answer, is, I think, is... When's the blessing? Right. Blessing should be right before dinner. Um, so... This is a very regional thing Uh, in our region, which is the northeastern sector of the United States. uh, It typically goes um, introductions, first dance, blessing, and then toast, and then dinner starts. Uh, I do have to put an asterisk asterisk here that it sort of depends on how many toasts you have. If you have like two toasts, it's a great way to do it right after the blessing. But if you have like three, four, five, six toasts, A, cut it back to about four, and B, sprinkle them in throughout your um throughout your dinners throughout your dinner not your dinners um meaning maybe you want to start with um, a parent giving a bit of a welcome toast and then dinner sort of starting and then a little bit into dinner maybe after your salad course is served have your maid of honor and best man give a toast or whoever you have giving a toast um just keep in mind that you don't want guests sitting and listening to toast after toast after toast after toast after toast, but you also want to make sure your DJ slash band and all of your vendors, your photographer, your cinematographer, all those people are going to be in the room for those toasts. You don't want them to miss any of that um, and make sure everything is going nicely for that. So yes. Sweet. Nailed it. All right. All right. Final question. Last, Last question of season three. Oh. Okay, here it is. It's another simple one. Um, Question from A via email. Based on your wedding, what would you not spend your money on if you had a do-over? I feel like I should ask that to you, Dan. Dan, what would you not spend money on if you had a (laughs) do-over? Hmm. So I was thinking about this one when this this question came in. And I think I – this is going to be a cop-out answer – but it's the truth. And I think it's made partly because, you know, I'm in the wedding industry, but we really spent a lot of time thinking about what our priorities were. And we really did not spend money on anything that wasn't a priority. All of our investments went towards the things that were most important to us that really enhanced our experience, enhanced our, our guest experience. If I, you know, what, if I did have to pick one thing, though, um, I would buy suits versus renting them. Um, We rented from like a big, big chain and uh, the suit just like it didn't come back the way I wanted to. And like I was, you know, I I hadn't really rented a suit before then. I didn't know you could say, hey, you know, I I want this suit to look a little different. I want to send it back. I want it to be, you know, a little more slim fit. I want to be a little more tailored because I just like I, I wear a suit a certain way and I felt like I was swimming in that suit. And then I felt uncomfortable partly on the wedding day and it just wasn't a good thing. Um, and for not much l- more expensive, maybe another 50 or or $100, I could have bought a a custom suit or I could have just bought a really nice suit. All the guys could have bought their suits for a couple hundred dollars and then we could have still had those. Um, and Danielle and I were talking about this before this. We kind of think it should be like but if you're having, you know, bridesmaids and groomsmen, that it should be like the opposite. Like women should be able to rent their dresses and guys should be, you know, more about buying their suits um, because it's much easier for a guy to wear their suit 
again later down the road um, and own it than a bridesmaid's dress again. Well, I would even say not even like a bridesmaid's dress, but like a bride's dress. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just probably not going to wear that thing again. I don't know why we don't rent bridal dresses more often. I feel like it happens. Can somebody have a party where like if you're like later on in your friends who are getting married, can you have a party? And I really want to do this. That's why I want to do it. But not all of my friends are married yet. Um, Can you have a party where like everybody puts their wedding garb back on and like they just come and like hang out and like have a party at your house and then just go home? If if they do that, if you do that, please take pictures and send it to us because that'd be awesome. Or just invite my wife and I. That'd be great. Yeah, there you go. Just invite Dan and Rachel. That's awesome. I think to like, um, obviously I have no like personal experience to bring to the table on this, but I think you should not spend money on things that don't add any value to you or your guest experience. That's sort of the yep. undertone of this whole podcast, to be to be super frank. <laughs> but, Who's Frank? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Guys, don't you dare edit this out, Dan. I tried to ask the previous question like 87 times, and all Dan kept doing is making fart noises, <laughs> like a 10-year-old boy, into you the microphone. It. This is what I have to deal with. I just made a noise. You kept going for like three minutes, so don't even and start you- with me. Well, most of that three minutes was you laughing hysterically, so I don't want right. to hear it. <laughs> because, yeah. Anyway, I, really though, the undertone of this whole podcast is 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 about putting putting everything you want into your wedding day and not spending money on things that mean absolutely nothing to you. So if you could care less about toasting flutes or your cake cutting set or any of those things, a guest book, if if those things just don't mean anything to you, those are the things I would say don't spend the money on. If you receive them as a gift, great. If not, please don't go out and buy those things if they mean nothing to you. Okay? Okay. Do we have that? We have that. Oh, my goodness. All 10 questions in the books. Ah! All right, you guys. As always, check out the Put a Ring on It podcast.com website for show notes and such. <laughs> <laughs> and, we want to sp- and we want to extend a special thanks to our incredible season sponsor, the Naughty Tie Company. Um, and they offer, like I said, we've been saying all season, these incredible custom ties, custom bow ties, and pocket squares. Um, you really want to check them out. NaughtyTieCo.com slash R-I-N-G. And don't forget to like us on Facebook to keep in touch, ask questions, and get updates on season four. <gasps> Our podcast isn't a toddler anymore. No. We're growing out of old. the terrible threes. <laughs> I know. Um <laughs> And like we said in the beginning of this episode, we we opened that Patreon account, and we'd really love it if you guys could come alongside us and support us financially, if you can. Um, check out patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I for Put a Ring on It. Yeah, see what we did there? Yeah, nailed it. All right. Okay. All right. We will see you guys in a couple of months. Stay tuned, and we can't wait to be back. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye-bye. Oh, wait, we got to end the season with a really good bad dad joke. 
When does a sandwich cook? When? When it's baking lettuce and tomato. <laughs> That's a good one. What kind of hair do they sell at IHOP? What? Extensions. <laughs> That's a cute one, too. Nailed it. I'm going to miss the bad dad jokes. Maybe we should just put out a bad dad joke podcast with like yeah. one bad dad joke every day. That would be really annoying. <laughs> just like a 30 second intro. Yeah. For like 10 seconds of podcast and a 30 second outro. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so funny. With the sponsor, of course. Actually, it could be just like a minute intro, a minute outro. Bad dad jokes, bad dad jokes. Here they are, the bad dad joke, bad dad joke. Get ready for some bad dad jokes, bad dad jokes. Hey, Danielle, it's Dan here. Why did the toilet paper cross the road? It got stuck in a crack. <laughs> See you next time on bad dad jokes. Bad dad jokes. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> That's uh, good. Uh.